You're listening to The Big Show with George Russick. There goes the Hubert Act. Uh, Hubert Act. Hubert O. Hubert Act. Hubert Act. That Hubert Act really good. And Matty Rose. You know, hindsight's 50-50. I think that may be the dumbest thing I've ever heard. On Sportsnet 960, The Fan. Hour number two. The Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, The Fan, live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio at the bottom of the hour. Our man Frank Saravalli from NHL Daily Faceoff, and at the top of the hour, our Big Show Flames analyst. He has such a fancy title, Mr. Brent Cron in studio. Um, at eight thirty, uh, it's going to be a lot of you from the text line nine sixty nine sixty name and location. I don't know if you heard, Nikita Zadorov was dealt to the Vancouver Canucks uh, yesterday, just a couple hours before the game. Uh, the Flames play Nikita Zadorov and the Canucks tomorrow down at the Dome. Give us your best Nikita Zadorov chirp. 960-960, name and location. We are reading some of these during the break. They are good. Keep them rolling in. 960-960, name and location. Very um, positive. Positive vibes, yeah, one might say. Yes, uh, lots. Uh, keep them rolling in. Some of them are really good. 960-960, name and location. Um, at, at first blush, when I saw what the return was, I'm like, what? That's it? A third and a fifth? That's it for Nikita Zadorov? And then you get more details of the trade. And when you find out that the Flames didn't retain a dollar of his salary, I think that's huge. That's huge because it just gives them more flexibility down the road. If, in fact, they do trade Lindholm, Hannafin, or Tanev. And that's just a nice little piece of work by Craig Conroy and the team. Would it be really worth a second-round pick to maybe limit yourself that flexibility to, to potentially make a bigger trade at the deadline involving one of those three guys, all of them or none of them. Or if you have to take some money back or a third team's involved, you just give yourself that leeway, that flexibility. And I think that's key. And Brian Burke was on our show a few months ago saying that we don't talk enough about how, what an important asset cap space is in today's NHL. Yeah. Would you have liked maybe a second round pick for a guy who was on your bottom pair? Yeah, sure. Is he potentially going to play in the top four in Vancouver? Yeah, maybe. But I think this is a better trade when you hear the details than maybe when we first heard about it, Matty. Oh, for sure. I, I think, yeah, some time to kind of process. And I thought, honestly, like, if you haven't listened to Craig Conroy's chat with Pat Steinberg from Flames Talk yesterday, don't do it right now. But after you're done listening to our show, go grab it on the podcast feed because it's really good. And he kind of talks about a whole bunch of different um, reasons for the team pulling the trigger here. He doesn't necessarily go out of his way to say that, you know, the trade request was part of it. But listening to Pat yesterday, Pat kind of implied that the trade request was maybe becoming a bit of a problem or budding or, or maybe was starting to turn that way. So maybe there was a little bit of, of okay, let's try and get this thing done. He mentioned it had become on the front burner since Zadorov and his agent went public with the request back in Toronto. So, so that's a part of it. You get roster flexibility. You get cap space flexibility. You still have your three retention spots. You do get a third and a fifth back when you traded a third to get them in the first place. So that's a return on investment would be positive there, I guess. Um, especially because I think you could argue that he has not necessarily taken a huge jump from the player that he was in Chicago. He played on a much better team without a doubt. And had some really good setups and a couple of very good seasons. But yeah, this is one of those deals that I think when you look at everything, not having to retain, 
the Canucks being one of the teams that could actually do that and being able to kind of set yourself up for the rest of the season, short-term flexibility for prospects and players now or long-term flexibility for deals at the deadline, I think that this is a really strong play for um, the Flames and Craig Conroy. Now, it, it will be one of those things that we kind of have to look at further down the road and see what the Flames do with this space that they now have from trading away Zadorov. But that that this is the first domino to fall, and it gives them some flexibility to to kind of move around the rest of the NHL. And and as we've talked about, really be one of the big power brokers in the NHL this year as far as moving pieces around. Yeah, it is. It is a third in 26, which is, you know, obviously a long time from now and a fifth that they uh, Canucks acquired in the Bavillier trade from Chicago. So that's the details on the trade. And I talked about it to kick off the show. Um, maybe I'm just being super petty. I just like the fact that they didn't trade him to Toronto because that's where he wanted to go. He, he did that just blindsided the entire organization, all of his teammates, the coaching staff, Conroy, everyone with that ridiculous tweet by his agent, which was all premeditated because they waited to Toronto to announce it. Uh, it. It made guys in the room were unhappy about it. Michael Backlund had to have a meeting with the guys, kind of put some fires out. And that's one thing I like about this deal too. It's you don't want to be here Bye. And I like that the flames did that. Yeah. And, and listen. there's something to be said about that. That, that plays in the dressing room. I know what Nazem Kadri said. You know, he's a good guy, good teammate. It's going to be interesting what the money is on the board. I get all of that. But there is something to be said about a guy who blindsided everybody in their organization from top to bottom, and then he's traded a short time later. I like that, that the fact that the Flames did that. We talked about it yesterday. What's the hurry? Yeah, what 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 is the hurry when we talk about Lindholm and we talk about Tanev and we talk about... Uh, Hannafin. And how many fans are like, trade, trade, trade. Let's see the trade. Let's see the trades. Well, you saw one yesterday for a guy who didn't want to be here anymore. And again, is it the return you 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 absolutely wanted? Well, no, but is it a good trade? Yeah, especially because you didn't have to retain any money. But to me, it's a message to that dressing room too. The guy doesn't want to be here. He blindsided all of us. See you later. Because we're fighting for a playoff spot right now. Yeah, and, and you can go do it wherever you want. Like, there's a couple things here, and I think they kind of canceled them out. On one hand, you can say, well, you traded him in division. That's not ideal. But, yeah, I guess you could also take to heart that you didn't trade him to the place that he really did want to go, to Toronto. But I don't know. I don't think that there's really room to be petty when value is really the thing that you kind of want to prioritize. But Vancouver gave them the best value. Two picks. All the cap money is gone. That's the biggest part here. And, yep. and now they're going to get to see Solovyov and, and get a real look at him for an extended amount of time. I assume that Osterley or Gilbert would probably be one of the guys that end up being the seventh defenseman for the next little bit here. And and I also imagine that it's going to be a lot like what we saw yesterday when everything was said and done. You look at the ice time for all the big horses. Anderson's at 23. Chris Tanev's at 21 as far as minutes played yesterday. Mackenzie Weger was at 23-18. Noah Hannafin, 25 and a half minutes. And and you just see some of the other guys, you know, your your Osterleys and, and your Dennis Gilberts right around that 12-minute mark. It's going to be like that a lot of the, the rest of the nights. And yesterday, the reason they run, won that game was because their blue line was excellent the entire game, especially the top four. So there's a lot of pros here. There's some cons for sure. Um but the other thing, too, is like as far as the guys that you were going to deal, the UFAs that you kind of look at and say you have to move these guys or you have to sign them, he's the one that you're going to get the least amount of value for. 
Right. Um, I, I did like, uh, I thought the bottom pair of Osterle and uh, our man, Denny Gilbert, uh, I thought they, I thought they picked their spots and, and, and had some impact in, in the offensive zone. I like what those two guys did last night. And it's not easy on them being thrown into the lineup because obviously the trade happened just a couple hours before puck drop. But I like what they did last night and the amount of goals the Flames are getting from their blue line. That's ridiculous. I think that's the storyline that none of us saw coming. 14 goals in their last 14 games from the blue line as a whole. And again, um, that Uyghur goal that sent the game to overtime last night, that was well-deserved by the Flames. They dominated the last two periods of that game last night. Dallas came out uh, well. Like the, the, the first goal they scored, can't really fault Markstrom on. That was a very nice play by Captain America to set up Marchment, uh, Joe Pavelski. But after the first period, which I thought was pretty even, uh, the Flames took over, out shooting Dallas 11-1 to in that second period. And it was their forecheck. They were on the stars yep. the entire night. They completely neutralized their speed. And Wedgwood in there was fighting the puck a little bit. Flames probably should have got a couple more by him. And the one storyline maybe we need to talk more about, because he's the guy that we've been crushing all season, mm-hmm. Jonathan Huberto, three assists last night. And two primaries, like he was, he well, was good last night. He, he was good last night. Yeah, he gets the the primary on the Uyghur goal, which is another nice feed from him. And the the pass that he makes to Noah Hannafin off the wall on the goal that was disallowed. Yep, that was even nicer than the pass to Mackenzie Uyghur on the the goal that was allowed and eventually tied the game. So, yeah, I, I thought he was really good yesterday. Obviously, he gets the the assist on the game winner there in overtime as well. Uh, I, I thought he was really solid in the contest. I, I think they've got him down to just the two assists now. They took off one of the the ones from the first period there. Um, but nevertheless, that's a couple of key points for the team when they needed him. And like we've been talking about for the last little bit here, like the Lions have really settled into place here. And right now, I really wouldn't look at making much of a change. Like one of my takeaways from yesterday's game is I don't know if, if it's necessarily an identity but I can tell you the game plan for how this team wins, George. I can tell you right now. Do you want it? Sure. You roll four lines through 40. Then in the third period, you sit your third pair and you set, sit three forwards who are slacking. Yesterday, it was uh, Ruzichka. It was uh, Pospisil for some of the third. It was Dubé for some of the third. It was uh, Greer for some of the third. I, but I thought and you let the horses was good run. the first two periods. I thought he was okay. Yeah. Yeah. He got sat down in the middle of the third period and replaced by Dylan Dubé. Um, just off a couple plays that, you know, when, when you're in a tight game like that, I understand Ryan Husky going about it. But But the point here is he basically identifies who is going. And if we're trailing, I'm going to shorten my bench. And if you're not going, well, then you're going to sit here right in front of me. You're going to separate the forwards and the defensemen and... That's going to be how it goes. And, you know, they had one shift late in the third period. That was essentially it. But that's 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 the game plan. Go out, roll four lines through 40, see who's going, yep. adjust in the third. And the other key here would be don't take penalties because your power play is not going to win you special teams battles. And if you just don't take penalties, then the special teams battle will just be null and then you can win games at 5-on-5. Five uh, Frank Saravalli, our NHL sleuth. It's that simple, George. It's it, not that hard. It, it is that simple. Well, you can throw that to uh, Mr. Brent Cron, our uh, Flames a Big Show analyst. He's going to join us in studio at 8 o'clock. Straight ahead, Frank Saravalli. NHL sleuth for daily faceoff. And we're taking your Nikita Zadorov chirps that you can throw his way tomorrow at the Dome as his Canucks take on the Flames tomorrow already. First game back, boom.
playing against his former team. We'll talk to Frank Cervalli next. It's the big show. Russick and Rose Sportsnet 960, the fan. It's the big show. Russick and Rose Sportsnet 960, the fan. Live from Doug Lacey's Basement Systems downtown studio. At the top of the hour, our Flames big show analyst, Mr. Brent Cron. 830U on the text line. 960-960, name and location. Nikita Zadorov now a member of the Vancouver Canucks. They're in town tomorrow. Send us your best Nikita Zadorov chirps. 960-960, name and location. Some of these are excellent. Or maybe I'm overselling it a little bit. Maybe. The quantity is minimum. The quality is high. Okay. Well, so then. let's get the quantity up. 960-960. But more quality text, too. We, we shouldn't slack on quality. Yeah. Um, some of them really good. The one that really made me laugh uh, from uh, Clinton Lethbridge. Uh, you'll hear that one for sure. Um, but right now, uh, our one of our favorites, um, brought to you by Cell Trail Exports. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SellTrailExports.com. From NHL Daily Faceoff, our friend, Mr. Frank Saravalli. Hello, sir. How are you? I'm pretty good, guys. How are you? Good. Um, did you did you have a sense that this Zadorov deal was going down? Because it's very yeah. rare where the team actually breaks the trade to everyone. Yeah, this one I did not know. I mean, you could piece together that the Canucks were obviously up to something after moving Beauvillier. And they had finally the first time ever in Patrick Alvine and Jim Rutherford's tenure, some cap space. What did it last? Uh, 48 hours? <laughs> it was burning a hole in their pocket. They had to do something. Right. The return. What was your first blush when you saw the return? Definitely that it was light. But I think when you go back and you take a second look at it, yeah, it's not really. And the reason for that is, like, could the Calgary Flames have held out a bit, waited until closer to March, and got a second-round pick for Nikita Zadorov? I think the answer to that is yes. However, doing so then would have also probably required retaining some salary, which I think the Flames value the cap space. Who wouldn't? You can accrue between now and then. And then the second part is, and this is the part that's left unsaid because Craig Conroy has too much class, but I'll say it. I think they had to make a move. I think the way that that trade request came out a few weeks ago really bothered a bunch of players in that room. And I think they, they just had to move on. I, I brought up that point earlier, Frank, and maybe this is just the petty side of me uh, or the small guy side of me, but I like the fact that they didn't trade him to the Leafs because that was so premeditated. He wanted to go oh, there. hundred percent. He wanted to go there. He wanted to go play in the big lights in Toronto. And I like the fact that they didn't trade him specifically to the Maple Leafs. I kind of like that too. Yeah. I mean, they're not going to say that part either, but when you have to have a team meeting and Michael Backlund essentially needs to rip a strip off of everyone who that's not really in his nature and say, guys, enough with the drama, enough with the noise. If you've got an issue, take it to Flames management directly instead of blasting it out on social media, which was the first time that the Flames had heard of the trade request. Yeah, that's always a fun wrinkle to this story too. Um, what do you so, But you have to consider that, right? So like maybe the return isn't exactly what you want, 
But here's what I would argue in the grand scheme of things, and this isn't to defend the Flames, it's a statistical, mathematical fact. Once you get past like the 15th pick in the draft, a second and a third are are virtually indistinguishable. Mm. Yeah, exactly. And once you get past, yeah, the the, the shoe in guys, if you will, then then you kind of get to that point. And and I I guess what what would have been the the market? What do other teams see Nikita Zadorov as? Because you know I've seen some fans of the Canucks who see him as a second pair defenseman who's an excellent penalty killer. And watching him, I would say he is a maybe a second pair defenseman, and his penalty killing is fine because he is large. Well, I think that's really the you hit the nail on the head that he is large. So he gets opportunity that otherwise players wouldn't. And he, to be fair, he does utilize his size to his advantage and he plays physical. Um, I think you have to take a step back and rewind. Not all that far back in Nikita Zadorov's tenure. And remember that his career was like kind of on the ropes leaving Colorado. Mm Mm-hmm. He gets to Chicago, bounces back a little bit, and then he comes to Calgary and he gets the Daryl Sutter treatment and his game blossoms a bit. And then all of a sudden people looked at him differently. I think universally around the league, teams look at him as a different element to add to your 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 lineup. And with that size, but still is probably a third pair defenseman when it's all said and done. On a good team. Now, a guy who's on to his fifth team, and, you know, obviously we've already mentioned a very public trade request that rubbed a lot of players the wrong way. How did other teams see that kind of aspect of the Nikita Zadorov experience? I don't think they were thrilled with it from some of the teams that I had called around to ask. Um, they kind of reacted much in the same way that you and I are, which is, wow, that wasn't very subtle. Yeah. Yeah, it's about as subtle as getting hit by a bus. Getting hit by Zadarov himself. Pretty much. Also fair. How much better does this make the Canucks? Uh, I think it makes them better because what you're dealing with, and and to look at it from uh, Vancouver's perspective, like it's kind of a home run. You're not really giving up a ton, especially you're you're flipping the fifth round pick that you just got as you got – by the grace of Corey Perry, so lucky to get off of Anthony Beauvillier instead of having to pay to move him. Chicago's in a spot where they lose Taylor Hall for the season due to injury. And then the other piece that they had provide or brought in to provide support for Connor Bedard in their lineup in Corey Perry, he's contract is terminated. And so all of a sudden Chicago is looking around saying, hey, how do we find a way to add someone to our lineup? Oh, Beauvillier, he's next to free for a fifth-round pick. We'll take him. They get the cap space. They take that same fifth-round pick, add in a third, and they get a defenseman who is – we can debate between second and third pair. I'm not sure there's much of a difference. Uh, But they get a bona fide NHL defenseman. Mm -hmm. That's what's missing in Vancouver right now with Carson Soucy out for a bit and the Canucks having to go back to relying on more or less what they had last year, which was part of their downfall in guys like Noah Juleson and Cole McWard and whoever else they stick in the lineup on a nightly basis because of injuries and guys being banged up. I think the Canucks were kind of hanging on for dear life. Like you can chart a real connection between the Canucks downturn 
over the last couple weeks and some of the injuries that they've had that took a defense core that was rebuilt this year and added in true NHL guys in Ian Cole and a full season of Philip Aronic and all that. And then now having that eroded in the first quarter of the season. Do you feel like Vancouver a wants to retain the player after this season, try and sign him and B what would Nikita Zodorov want or what do teams kind of project his next contract to look like? I don't know yet whether they'd like to do that. I think it's probably a bit premature. Um, Although you do see all the time teams trade for someone and then extend. I don't really understand that part of it. I get it from a player's perspective. It's like, oh, you just traded for me. Now I've got the leverage that I need. Clearly you want me. In, In this case, I'm a big fan of just letting things play out. Like what if he doesn't fit? What if he struggles? What if Rick Tockett doesn't like him? All these things happen, and and you would think that it'd be easy to fix, but once you go and sign that contract, there's no unringing the bell, and sometimes more than that, you're stuck with the guy because you can't trade him. And I, I'm, I'm a huge proponent of if you have time, use it when it comes to trying out new players on new teams. Frank Cervalli, NHL Daily Faceoff, brought to you by South Trail Exports, Big Show, Russick and Rose. Sportsnet 960, the fan. Is there, is there a scenario, Frank, with how this team is playing right now where they trade Lindholm, Tanev, and Hannafin, and this team might sneak into the playoffs? I mean, it would be a lot to, to rip off of the team and still make it. Nashville tried pretty valiantly last year. I think they had five guys that they traded, and they yeah. wanted to move six, and they, they were right there as the Flames remember in the last two weeks of the season before falling short. Is it possible? I'd never say never, but here's kind of my thought process when it comes to the Flames and the guys that they have that are pending UFAs. You probably can't trade every single one of them. Like, I mean, I know you could, but if if your goal really is to try and reboot this and get back to um, get back to a competitive level you know, quickly, sooner rather than later, and in parentheses, I say not full-scale rebuild, you're going to probably need one of them to help you out. And and I'm really looking more at defense than anything else. And I don't know what's the current situation with Noah Hannafin in the sense that obviously they got really close to getting a deal done and it appeared that he got cold feet. But he's the guy that kind of stands out to me as this defense looks a lot better next year going into it with Hannafin, Weger, and Anderson, and then leaving the rest as question marks to fill out. Yesterday, we saw your trade boards drop. Uh, I'm sure this is one of the days that you get tagged all over social media. Was there any particular player that maybe... I already st- had that this week. ...stirred up a little bit of a hullabaloo for you? Um, not really. I think the Flames part, everyone really understands. Mm-hmm. Um... I'd say I have way more curiosity with some teams that are right on the fringe of the playoffs right now that might not make it. Like, I know he's not a huge name, but I I love the idea of trying to add someone like a Cal Clutterbuck to your roster at the trade deadline. And people might yawn and say, Cal Clutterbuck, seriously? Go look it up. There's, There's two or three times in the playoffs 
where his goal total in the playoffs exceeded or met what he had in the entire regular season. It's hard to do. Like guys like that just show up. So the Islanders are very much still in, hey, we're trying to make it mode. But what happens if they're not? That guy's part of the fabric of their team. So part of this, the story in that trade targets board is to really begin to set the table for conversations that we might be having later. Max Pacioretty didn't make it to the board. He hasn't yet played a game for the Washington Capitals coming off of that double ACL tear. But if the Caps don't make it and Pacioretty is back to scoring goals at a 37-goal clip, that's an interesting piece. Like There's there's lots to still be decided now 99 days away from the trade deadline. Well, Capitals with another win last night. They're, what, 8-2-1 and one in their last 11 now? All of a sudden, they're a surprise team. It makes no sense. It, it, no sense. It really makes no sense. Um, after- they had they won the other night with twelve shots or fifteen shots. That's, that's, <laughs> that's crazy. Their power play is like six percent right now. Um, it, it's crazy. Yeah. And and by the way, that was against the LA Kings, who I think are the best team in the Pacific. Mm. Yeah, I think that's fair. The Knights have shown a little bit of a crack lately. Big win against Vancouver, but I think complete teams. Would you say that that's a chink in the armor? Uh, yeah, maybe. I don't know. Uh, it's a break in the armor? Yeah, perhaps. Yes. Yeah. Uh, I wanted to ask you about Sean Monaghan because he's on your board and he's very high up. And I think a guy that, you know, at number two on your trade targets board, did we expect him to be there given just what we've seen from him over the last few years? I think... He's a really good player that when healthy has been pretty productive. Like he's still at a 50 point pace this year and it's all about where's his body at? Can it cooperate long enough to be that guy? And I think it's fascinating that his $15,000 bonus, which isn't really that big in the grand scheme of things kicks in at 26 games played and you say 26 games. What does that mean? Who aims to get to 26 games? The answer is, for Sean Monaghan, it would be one more than he played last year. And that, to me, represents a pretty significant milepost in that this is someone who's really gone through a lot to get to this point. And if he can burst beyond that and play a full season at a 50-plus point pace, He's going to provide a nice return for the Montreal Canadiens. I think he's the ideal third-line center on a contending team. I um, wanted to ask you about, the obviously, the, the biggest story in the hockey world is this whole Corey Perry situation. And Yeah, that's what I was hinting at when I said my mentions were already full. Yeah, I, I, I kind of I, I gleaned that. It's been uh, a week, boys. Yeah, it has been a week. I um, want to ask you, um, with the statement yesterday and, and how this thing has been dealt like, how do you think the, the, the Blackhawks organization has handled this as a whole? It's kind of really hard to grade anything or anyone. And I'm not being Pollyannish when I say that because we still don't know the exact details of what took place. Like, with all due respect to Corey Perry, what if it is egregious that what he did? Are we really going to fault the Blackhawks for moving quickly to terminate his contract? No, of course not. But the PR perspective, I think, is certainly something that people have seized on. And at the same time, I kind of, 
I kind of feel for them in that spot because when you have a legal proceeding ongoing and you're involving terminating millions of dollars worth of revenue or, or pay to someone, and you've got all these lawyers involved and the league, quite frankly, you can't really say much. The problem is not really saying much allowed some jackals on social media Hmm. to just make something up and run with it. And at the first hint of that is when the Chicago Blackhawks should have came out and defended the face of their franchise and his family. That didn't happen. And I think they'd probably like a redo on that as well. They should. I think that was probably a lesson for everyone in crisis PR management of how not to handle it. But as far as the rest of it, like I, I can't really say much one way or the other about the Blackhawks and or Corey Perry, because we're still trying to find out more. There's like five people on the planet and I'm not exaggerating with that number that know what really happened. Hmm. Well, I've heard rumors. I've heard theories, but I've yet to have someone actually confirm to me. And if I, if I got it, I would have written it, reported it. I've yet to have someone say to me confirmed, this is what actually happened. And someone that would have direct knowledge of it as opposed to secondhand. Uh, He was a, before all of this, he was a slam dunk hall of fame player. You think this? Yeah, he's very he's he's borderline. I but I, I'd say yes on a Hall of Fame track. I would say I'd put him ahead of Pierre Turgeon, who just got in. Like I okay because he's won a Hart Trophy and he's he's a guy that's had a lot of impact in the NHL. But you think this this will ruin his candidacy potentially down it the could. road to be in the Hockey Hall? It should it. It could, but I think he did himself a big favor yesterday by mm. at least pulling the curtain back a little bit and saying. Hey, look, I'm dealing with some alcohol abuse issues and some mental health stuff that I'm trying to work through. I think once you say that, everyone kind of takes a step back and says, yeah, okay, like, and I reported that this was an alcohol-fueled incident. I mean, who among us hasn't been in a spot where we've had too much to drink and do something that we regret? Right. Can you tell us about Anthony Beauvillier and going to the Hawks and just kind of the on-ice product, what they're trying to do here? Because now you lose Corey Perry. Uh, obviously, Taylor Hall's done for the year. The visual of Connor Bedard smashing his stick after another futile power play last night is kind of something that's stuck in my mind all morning here. What happens next for the Hawks as far as on the ice? Yeah, I can't really imagine what Connor Bedard has been feeling the entire past week. This is not what um, he would be used to, and then this chaos around him. I just so unfair for the young man. Yeah, it's it's really tough to watch. And I've heard some people say, even some friends of mine that aren't really in the hockey world have been like, Oh, well, it's funny. It's there's nothing funny about that. And I, I think that part has been a real struggle. And I, I'm sure the Blackhawks are feeling that too, because that's part of the reason probably why Kyle Davidson was so visibly bothered by this and choked up is when you're tasked and given or gifted, I should say through the lottery, a player of this caliber and nature, your job is to protect him at all costs and not to put him in a bubble, but to, to really help shepherd that growth and have him become and and able to reach his full potential. And when you go out and you bring in a, player like Corey Perry 
who has that experience, who's known as a really good teammate and is well-liked, who competes and, and does all those things. As you mentioned, um, George, just the, the ability to impact the game. And then you watch that slowly erode and fall away, or not slowly, even kind of quickly, like getting hit by a bus. It, that hurts. And so now the on-ice portion of it, I don't think Anthony Beauvillier can fulfill that. He is a one-time 20-goal scorer and someone that I think a bunch of people had expectations and and belief in. But once you get to a point where you know that confidence has eroded, and not only that, but he got to a spot in Vancouver where people were like, oh, good, he's really doing something on the fourth line. That's amazing. We're getting something out of this guy. Like the expectations and bar was so low. Can he find a way to rejuvenate himself? Maybe. But I think what is clear is the Blackhawks need more help. Nick Felino and Tyler Johnson and Philip Kurashev and Ryan Donato, they're not enough to help mm. Connor Bedard, you know, get to where he needs to get to right now. And perhaps that's to be expected. I mean, this guy's still on a 40-some goal pace and is not far off from a point per game. I feel less crazy today than I did the first week of the season when I said he was going to score 100 points this year. He's that good. He can do it on his own, but I don't think he needs to. Uh, Before we let you go, Frank, what's the vibe check in Philadelphia ahead of the showdown with the Niners on Sunday? It is a little odd because the Niners are favored. Mm. they are a road favorite right and eagles fans are like are are the odds makers on crack what's happening here (laughs) and i I was at the game on sunday in the freezing rain uh as the buffalo bills were in town i brought uh my buddy down from edmonton who's a huge bills fan he came and celebrated u.s thanksgiving and it was really funny i just got a text from uh from a GM in the last little bit here and he goes he sent me the video of the a young Eagles fan giving a Bills fan the finger at the game on Sunday. Yeah. So good. It is good. The fake high I five. Said, yeah. So I brought my buddy in all this Bills gear and he was really hesitant. Like he's like I I don't know if I can wear this. Like Yeah, I it's Philadelphia. Don't be Philly? stupid. Whoa. Yeah. <laughs> So then, so we brought him to the game and like, everyone was nice. We didn't have any issues. And he's like, man, everyone in Philly was so great. And I was like, yeah, buddy, that's because I got you club tickets. I was like, you weren't in gen pop with everyone else. Right. (laughs) Right. Frank, terrific stuff. Should be a fun game. Uh, Maybe take, take a little break. It's been a busy week for you. You Uh, I'd like to, I mean, coach firing Patrick Kane, Corey Perry. It's been a week. Yeah. Um, good times. Um, Frank, we'll talk to you next week, pal. Thanks for this. Have a good weekend, guys. Uh, there's Frank Cervalli, NHL Daily Faceoff, brought to you by South Trail Exports. With inventory shortages across the city, it's the perfect time to sell your vehicle for cash. Visit SouthTrailExports.com. Straight ahead, our Flames Big Show analyst. Wait, is he here? He's wearing a very nice coat today. Oh! Is he walking in? Like when he wears oh, there he coat. is. Mr. Brent Cron in studio next. Big Show, Russick and Rose, Sportsnet 960, The Fan.